here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. Octave to play for the tree It's rooted in every single nerve in me 
away from me. Oh, the way I hear the melody, the waves bring clarity. Running through me, come on, y'all. You can't take this away from me. Oh, the way I hear the melody, the waves bring clarity. Running through me. This is the show. Hello, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to it. Are you welcomed yet? And now, news about the birds. Let me tell you about the birds. Yeah! Yeah! Bird biodiversity is rapidly declining in these United States. The overall bird population has decreased by 29% since 1970. Grassland birds declined by an alarming 53%. Are they alarmed? Valuable for more than flight. And song... Birds hold a key place in ecosystems worldwide. This is according to the Quad City Times. They get down to more serious business shortly. Stating declines include intensified agricultural production, use of pesticides, conversion of grassland to agricultural land, and good old climate change. New study from the University of Illinois. That's why this is from Quad Cities. That's in Urbana. Points to increased use of Guess what? Neonicotinoid insecticides as a major factor in the bird population decline. That's according to Madhu Khanna, distinguished professor in agricultural and consumer economics at the University of Illinois. The paper is published in Nature Sustainability, or lack thereof. Khanna says numerous studies have shown neonicotinoids negatively affect wild bees, honeybees, and butterflies. You know that. Large-scale studies on the pesticides' impacts on birds have been limited. This represents the first study at a national scale over a seven-year time period using data from hundreds of bird species in four different categories. Your grassland birds, your non-grassland birds, your insectivores, and your non-insectivores, she said. Wait, they found robust evidence, says the researcher, of the negative impact of neonicotinoids, in particular on grassland birds and to some extent on insectivore birds after controlling for the effects of changes in land use. Like here's a gas station. Uh, the authors analyzed bird populations from 2008 to 2014 in relation to pesticide use changes and agricultural crop acreage. An increase of 100 kilograms, that's 220 pounds, of neonicotinoid usage per county, that's a 12% increase on average, contributed to a 2.2% decline in populations of grassland birds and 1.6% in insectivorous, insectivorous, insectivorous birds. That was fun. By comparison, the use of 220 pounds of non-neonicotinoid pesticides were associated with a 0.05 decrease in grassland birds, 0.03 in non-grassland birds, insectivorous birds, and non-insectivorous birds. Now, the other thing is effects and impacts accumulate. So the authors estimate that for 220 pounds of neonic use per county in 2006, reduced cumulative grassland bird populations by 9.7 percent by 2014. These findings suggest that neonicotinoid use has a relatively large effect on population declines of important birds. Uh, you important birds, you sit down here in the front. And that these impacts grow over time. The study found the adverse impacts on bird populations 
were greatest in the Midwest, Northern Great Plains, and right here in Southern California. Neonicotinoids, killing the birds and the bees. Now, wait till Sean Hannity gets a hold of this. It's in the L.A. Times. It might take him a while. The top FBI agent in Los Angeles departed this month in the wake of a U.S. Justice Department Inspector General's report that found he was responsible for violations of federal ethics requirements and FBI policies. By sp- No. By holding a meeting with his management team in an exclusive club at Dodger Sta- beautiful Dodger Stadium during the playoffs two years ago, back when they had playoffs, and allowing them to indulge in the free buffet. Okay, this is the deep state. This is the deep free buffet state. Paul Delacorte was resigned earlier this month from his post overseeing the L.A. regional office. That uh, carries the rank of assistant director. He has disputed the IG's findings and uh, criticized the alligators. Eight FBI officials sat in the prestigious stadium club. Don't you want to be in the stadium club? With an unobstructed view of the field as the Dodgers faced the Brewers in Game 3 of the National League Championship Series just two years ago. Man, it seems like three. That's according to the report from Inspector General Michael Horowitz, made public this week. Seven of those present dined at the buffet. One top intelligence chief drank a beer, the report said. No one from the bureau paid for the luxury seats and food. Surrounded at times by fans at other tables, the FBI brass in L.A. would briefly discuss sensitive intelligence subjects, according to the report. The uh, use of the exclusive seating and buffet violated federal ethics rules and FBI policy prohibiting the acceptance of gifts. The report cited Special Agent in Charge Voviet Morgan, who oversees the FBI criminal investigations in L.A., for infiltrating the, sorry, for initiating the arrangement and Delacorte for approving it. They both showed poor judgment. Delacorte was criticized for allowing discussion of sensitive information, said the IG report. Attorneys for the two did not respond to requests for comment. At least one member of the management team did raise serious concerns about the optics of the meeting location, and the FBI special events coordinator had advised against the venue. What do you have against the Dodgers? He wants them to go move back to Brooklyn, probably. That's uh, news of the inspectors general. But now, let's get smart. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart, smart world. Here's bad news for Apple, I guess. For over a year, a widely used code library from a Chinese mobile advertising business called Mintegral, get it, is alleged to have been covertly capturing data about app users' online interactions to steal ad revenue. According to the security firm Snick, the Mintegral tool helps app developers make money from ads in mobile apps used in an estimated 1,200 iOS apps that generate 300 million downloads a month. Really? The iOS version of the library is said to contain malicious code designed to, mo- designed to monitor user activity in order to what is, uh, facilitate what's known as attribution fraud. 
The uh, developers will often include third-party tools in their app code, so the app works with multiple ad networks. That's to serve you better. Ad mediation platforms attempt to maximize the revenue for the app maker by choosing the optimal ad provider for each click and keeping track of which network gets credit for the interaction. Attribution fraud occurs when someone tries to take credit for ad-related events, like clicks resulting in an installation of an advertised app, that should be attributed to another party. The Mintergral tool is able to intercept all of the ad clicks and other URL clicks as well within the application, said a security advocate at SNCC in a blog post. It uses this information to forge click notifications to the attribution provider. Yes, the online ad business is getting cleaner and nicer by the day. Google wants the Nest Hub, that's its uh, home irritant uh, assistant, to become a fixture in hotel rooms. My, you know what my favorite fixture in hotel rooms is, but this would be smaller and less white, so that guests can enjoy their stay without having to actually touch any of the amenities they're paying for. This is like cashing in on COVID, you think, really? The device, which is being, this is from the Register, the British Tech Journal, the device is being tested in several hotels across the U.S. and the U.K., offers the guests the chance to replace calls to hotel staff with a hub device that listens in on requests for more towels. Google, more towels, please. It will take a day, uh, or information about pool closing times, or location of the pool boy, if you happen to be a uh, president of a Christian university. Google's sell for the new hospitality solution is that it allows guests to use the hotel's amenities without having to speak to a human or touch the room's potentially plague-ridden telephone. Although we now know hard services are not nearly as prone to passing the virus on as we thought about six months ago. Science, you know. Whatever reason is driving you to consider staying in a hotel room, you know you want to take as many precautions as possible, according to the product manager for Google Assistant. For those worried about Google Assistant listening in on whatever it is they do in hotel rooms, Google says the device has no camera. Okay. And its mic can be switched off. No audio is ever stored any activities will be wiped from the device when it's reset for the next guest. And what happens during those four or five hours between guests? The new features are largely largely hotel-centric tweaks, hotel-centric tweaks to existing Google Assistant functions. The company promises it can be connected to in-room entertainment devices or even control the room's blinds, TV, and lights. It's a smart, smart world. We're just too dumb to live in it. Ladies and gentlemen, you know about the dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. It's a zone, uh, a a low-oxygen zone, hypoxic is the word they use, and one of the words I can pronounce today. And the lack of oxygen or the low level of oxygen is caused, among other things in the Gulf, by the runoff of agricultural land into the Mississippi River, which contains lots of fertilizer residue which provides nutrition for algae, and then the algae um, kind of destroy the oxygen in the process of doing their algae thing. Well, now, Agence France, 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 reports that the Danish seas are affected by low oxygen levels, and the area of them has doubled in the space of a year. They're quoting a university report published this week. 
Lack of oxygen in the sea obviously can have grave consequences for, for the survival of plants, animals, and fish. Birds, okay. Well, animals, I don't know. In the waters of Denmark's exclusive maritime zone, the total area affected by oxygen depletion was about 3,300 square kilometers. That's 1,300 square miles in August, twice as high as last year. The uh, Aarhus University's National Center for Energy and Climate said the problem was severe. I can't breathe, says Denmark. Seas. The problem was severe in around a third of the area. The river suffered from, oh, sorry, the area suffered from high levels of runoff from rivers at the beginning of the year, increasing the amount of organic matter and nutrients, along with high temperatures in the bottom water, pardon me, and mainly weak winds since the middle of spring. Both those latter are attributed to climate change. Are you kidding me? Increased nutrients in the sea can lead to excessive growth of plants like algae which ultimately leads to less oxygen in the water as the plants die off and decompose in a process known as, class, eutrophication. See? I can say them. Meanwhile, surface waters hold less oxygen when they're warmer. That leads to less circulation with naturally oxygen-poor waters deeper down. Lack of wind, pardon me, again, also reduces circulation between shallower and deeper waters. A report last year from the International Union for Conservation of Nature the IUCN, found that certain ocean oxygen levels had decreased by around 2% just between 1960 and 2010. A fall of between 3 and 4% is expected between now and 2100 if we continue business as usual. Around 700 spots around the world suffer from depleted oxygen levels. That's 700 now compared with 45 in the 1960s. I call that progress. News of the war. I, I also call it News of the Warm, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Now, this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, um, some of us are observing two anniversaries. One somewhat absurdly comical, the other deadly serious. The latter, of course, the, um, the approach and uh, impact of Hurricane Katrina on the Mississippi and Louisiana Gulf Coasts followed in very short order as the hurricane moved northeast of New Orleans by the failure of the so-called hurricane protection system in more than 53 different locations in conditions that were less severe than the system was supposed to withstand. Thank you, Army Corps of Engineers. Here's $14 billion. Try better this time. And they kind of did, although... In answer to a lot of people who ask, how's the new system? It was designed to a one-in-one-hundred-year one standard, that is to say, to withstand a storm that has a likelihood of occurring once every hundred years. That's a lower standard by far than the previous system that failed was designed against. The reason, as far as I know, and I know a little bit about this, in uh, 2007, the city was on its knees, desperate to get residents to return. And one thing they had to assure them was that they'd qualify for flood insurance. And the minimum standard for protection in a flood insurance eligible zone is one in 100 year protection. That's the deal the city made in order to try to be able to get its residents back. And that's the system we have today. The other anniversary, as I say, a little um, less serious, it's uh, 
couple of years ago now, when it was hurricane season, then as now, and the uh, and NOAA and the National Hurricane Center published a hurricane map that tr- tracked, don't even remember the name of the storm, but it was uh, tracked, showed the track that it was likely to take as it approached Florida and then turned up the east coast of North America. And so it's sitting off the coast of Florida at this point in time when this map is generated, and the (laughs) president of the United States showed that map, except there was an addition to that map, drawn with a sharp, a black sharpie. The other parts of the hurricane track were not, as it turns out, drawn with black sharpie. But this little segment was drawn to extend the likely cone of influence of the storm into Alabama. The first place (laughs) the president (laughs) held his first rally in the 2016 campaign was Alabama. Here's this week's Donald Trump song on YouTube now. We were ready for the quake That didn't happen It seems they don't do fracking In Alabama We were ready for that Decimating fire That would have occurred if it was drier in Alabama. Alabama, we love you so much. Except for Jeff Sessions, you're strong and you're free. Alabama, don't forget me. Don't forget me.
citizens of Alabama followed his advice and rejected their longtime senator, Jeff Sessions, this year when he tried to regain his old Senate seat after having been bounced out of the administration by, yeah, (laughs) the president. While we're on that subject, you know now that two unconventional conventions happened in the last couple of weeks, the political conventions totally reconfigured in the COVID era. The Democrats tried kind of a variety show format. Best I could tell about what the Republicans were doing, they were uh, doing like a highlight reel from a video effects house, which had a, a, a gone out and, and uh, splurged on flags. It was a fire sale at Flag Mart. Uh, the GOP convention featured speakers in uh, three or four different locations, all with the same array of standing flags, flags on standing flagpoles um, in the background, so it all looked like the same place. Boy, did it ever. Uh, The GOP turned for help in producing their convention to the man who put Donald Trump on America's map, Mark Burnett, the creator of Survivor and of The Apprentice. He's the guy who created the myth of one of the richest men in the world, one of the most successful men in the world, who just happened to go bankrupt four times owning a casino. And it's the Mark Burnett persona of Donald Trump that I think still remains in uh, a lot of people's minds, which is why, you know, fact checks and uh, reality stuff like that just doesn't penetrate because that's in there. He was there, he was on TV, primetime TV, for 10 years as that character. And although a lot of um, media people refer to Trump as, ha- as having had now TV producing experience, he had TV read the cards and say what we're trying to say experience. The producer that formed that, whole, that persona as well as the whole show was Mark Burnett. And he he was the uh, guiding hand for this year's Republican convention. How'd they do in the ratings? Both end with significantly lower numbers than four years ago, according to The Hollywood Reporter. The uh, Donald Trump acceptance speech, who knew he was going to accept? That, the suspense was killing us. That drew the biggest ratings of the GOP convention, well behind the ratings for the same night four years ago. It also trailed the acceptance speech of Joe Biden a week ago. Six major networks covering the convention at 10 p.m., the start of the only hour the broadcast networks covered. They averaged 19.8 million viewers, topping the 18 for Tuesday's coverage for the biggest audience of the RNC, that 19.8, down by more than a third, 34%, just a little more than a third, but who's fighting, from Trump's acceptance speech at the 2016 convention. On that night, 30.22 million people tuned in across the same six networks. Trump's speech trailed the final night of the Democratic convention, averaged 21.7 million viewers on the same six outlets. So he got 19.8. The Democrats got 21.7. You add in Fox Business, which is Fox News for people with money, PBS, Spanish language broadcasters, and a couple smaller outlets brought Thursday's total to 23.8, 
closer to the 24.6 who watched the last night of the Democratic convention, the all-network audience down 26% from four years ago. All six major networks declined from the last time around. The declines for the broadcast networks at both conventions are particularly stark. 2016, they averaged better than 12 million viewers combined. This year, they drew 7.1. That's for closing night. The uh, four nights of the GOP convention averaged 17.3, down 27% from four years ago. And uh, 19.3 with the additional networks, down 21%. The DNC, the Democrats, slipped by 21% versus 27 for the Republicans on the big six. And all network average off by 18% versus 21% for the Republicans. So not the numbers, I'm sure, that uh, were desired by either side, but it's easy to imagine who cares more about the numbers. This week, for the first time, the sprint to the finish line begins. And for the businessman turned chief executive, the question is, will that line mark a four-season renewal or the biggest cancellation ever? Mark. Mark Burnett. Mr. President, great work at the convention. Yeah. Too bad I can't say the same about you and your team. Uh, Surprised to hear you say that, sir. You approved every decision we made. Oh, yeah. I approved. Like I'd ever approve me presiding over a citizenship thing and then talking for two minutes tops? I was watching. Even I wondered what Trump thought about the naturalizing. I distinctly remember us agreeing that you speaking at length every night would reduce the audience's eagerness for your one-hour acceptance speech. Right. The overexposed. Right. Let me tell you something, Mark. You can search the last five decades. You'll never find the moment when Donald Trump was overexposed. Can't happen. I think I said that in one of the planning meetings. You you did, and I remember we, we chuckled together about that line. Yeah. Mine wasn't a real chuckle. Oh, but tell me, you're so hot. When you look at these, when you look at these ratings, mm-hmm. Sleepy Joe did better numbers, and those people had to wake up to take the call from the ratings. He, he did better numbers because people were curious. Right, they were curious to see his dentures fall out, coming out like like uh, roaches from my dad's apartment at daylight. You know, you used to tell me all the time about habit. Viewers like habit, right? Viewers like two things: the familiar. And the even more familiar. So, I should have talked like I wanted for an hour every night. Then they say, hey, let's see what he's going to say tonight, because they got the habit, right? And the radical left Democrats had all those celebrities at their convention. Where were my celebrities? James Woods was unavailable. Uh. Don King was promoting a heavyweight fight in Kinshasa. I think he called it the... uh the Rongo and the Congo. We did have Kim Guilfoyle. Who... So many people told me they turned her off because of the yelling. See, when I yell... They really like it. They like the loud. It sounds like it's powerful. I was on set for that taping. I think she thought we were, you know, like the baseball game is going to add cheers in post. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in all honesty, uh, we didn't have that many slots for people who weren't named Trump. Mark, if I wanted in all honesty, I'd have you sign an NDA. <laughs> and you won about we didn't have a slot for Barron. Mm-hmm. Even so, many people tell me that seeing the family is, is humanizing, like going on SNL or something. Anyway, the damage is done. Your task this week is to undo it. You mean like 
Edit a supercut of the convention and maybe you do an insert speech after the swearing-in of the new citizens. We could do that. I don't know where it would Mark, be. Mark, Mark, you're sounding as lame as you did when I rescued you from Survivor. What? Your task this week is to figure out another way we can get on TV for at least a couple nights between now and the election. Uh, a telethon for some charity. They'd really get the money. That'd get the fake media's attention. I, I don't know. You're the guy with the ideas, with the amazing... Would this be something we'd pay for the airtime, like an infomercial? We didn't pay them to carry the convention, right? Why should this be different? Well... Oh, maybe live from the Supreme Court. That's another building we own. Just something with this time. We nail the ratings. Mm-hmm. We own them. The mm-hmm. radical Democrats can't steal them. Can you do it? Sir, if it can help to rebuild our friendship... You know I'll do it. Great. Friendship. Jared. Sir, I think the Israel-UAE peace deal has got a hold. No shots fired so far. Ah, that's great, kid. Of course, there weren't any fired before the deal, but... Jared, listen, you know I care about a lot, right? Well, certainly I know you care but about... But mainly I care about winning, right? I, I, I think it's your greatest care. So... I'm thinking about putting you in charge of the campaign. We got rid of Brad. He was a loser. Now Jason, I don't know. He's a smart cookie. But he doesn't look like a winner. He's got that little beard. Uh, Mr. Dad, I I think I have to point out that uh, I have no background or experience in political campaigns. Uh, You might need... I might need someone like me. You think I had any of that background stuff when I got into this business? All those experts know is what worked before. I want what works this time. So You know, they, they say the pandemic is going to have another wave this fall. And you know what I say? A miracle vaccine. No, is- I, no, I know, but so these protests have been great for the law and order thing you pivoted to. Hey, it's worked before. So, so maybe there's a month more of protests before the fall comes and the next wave comes. Kid, it sounds like with all this coming, I'm going. Do me something good. Well... If part of the government, you know, a part we can say we knew nothing about, did something bad to an African-American gentleman Mm. just to arouse some protest, nothing serious. I'm not suggesting we kill somebody to help your campaign. (laughs) But maybe somebody gets evicted or something. Then you get to hammer the protester, rioter, radical left Democrat thing at least until early voting is over. And by then, we're shoving the vaccine out the miracle door. And see... That's what I really need you to concentrate on. Forget the campaign. Jason can always shave. You're still head of the task force. Well, not on paper, but... Great. Just get me something that can go into a needle by the end of October, okay? Sure, assuming we can get the results of the phase three testing. Jared. Yes, sir. Testing is good. Yes, Mr. Dad. Winning is better. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make vaccination great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The Presidentus. This week, if you're watching, he's winning. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of our dear friend, the Adam. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. What a friend. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Such a friend. Save to save to meter. Save, save to save to meter. To save to hide. The South Korean government has approved the expansion of used fuel storage at a nuclear power plant, the Walsong plant, 
after four years of delay, according to Korean media. Hey, what's what's the hurry? Stuff is going to last, oh, thousands of years, you know. The Nuclear Safety and Security Commission had approved the construction of seven additional used fuel storage structure at the plant last January after Korea Hydro and Nuclear Power said the existing storage was 93.1% full. The uh, Nuclear Power and Hydro Place Company thing, Bureau, Department, said it was running out of space by the end of 2021, which could force it to take some reactors offline. Oh, no. The Ministry of Trade, Industry, and Energy, Energy, said it had reported the plan to a policy review and coordination meeting chaired by the Prime Minister based on positive results of a poll of resident representatives near the power plant in Gyeongju. However, civic groups and residents in the city adjacent to the site are continuing to protest like they weren't in the poll or something. The two reactors of a nuclear power station on the Franco-Belgian border that's the spaghetti I used to like, Franco-Belgian, have been shut down out of precaution due to exceptionally low water levels in the Meuse River, according to French energy officials. This is from RFI. Good night. Reactor number two of the nuclear power plant in the Ardennes was stopped on Friday at midnight with reactor number one following Monday late in the evening. Given the current climatic climatic conditions and in accordance with agreement between France and Belgium, teams at the power station stopped operations of the reactors, according to the French energy company EDF. Our two reactors should be back online in the coming days, in accordance with the next rainy periods. The station is named after the municipality of Chouz, C-H-O-O-Z. It's a gum... It's a municipality. It sits on the river on a panhandle of the French Department of Ardennes that protrudes, pardon me, ladies, into Belgium. An agreement between the two countries defines the threshold of river flow required for Belgian industrial sites, tourist infrastructure, and local governments to have sufficient water resources. One reactor must stop if the 12-day average dips under 22 cubic meters per second. Both must stop if the level drops below 20. EDF the company that runs the plants, said the shutdown was not due to safety concerns, nor did it raise any. You know, water is just necessary for the safety of reactors in order to cool material at the site. One of the reactors was stopped for several days in autumn two years ago under the same deal. EDF documents show the stations produced four, almost 5% of France's nuclear power in 2019. Much of mainland France has been suffering drought this summer, Farmers appealing for aid to deal with parched crops. Hot weather and scant rain have led to water restrictions being imposed in more than two-thirds of France's administrative departments. I wonder what's causing that. The Ardennes are in the third of four alert levels for drought, which means farmers must use no more than half of their usual water consumption. Hot weather conditions have caused exceptionally dry conditions around France in recent years. Probably doesn't mean anything. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission in this country announced it had fined the Tennessee Valley Authority more than half a million dollars, 606 to be exact, for deliberate misconduct that led to adverse conditions for two former employees. They had complained about a chilled work environment. I don't think they meant chilled like we think. That made workers less likely to raise safety concerns at the company. Didn't mean like, it's all cool, man. 
TVA's former vice president of regulatory affairs and former director of corporate nuclear licensing violated the NRC's employee protection rule engaged in a deliberate, indeliberate misconduct, according to the commission, in a statement. Utility said it previously investigated these events, which occurred several years ago, and didn't reach the same conclusion as the NRC. We're evaluating our next steps, said the utility. The Union Union of Concerned Scientists noted it was the largest penalty imposed on TVA by the NRC. Highly unusual, said the Director of Nuclear Power Safety for UCS. We're concerned that continued corporate culture problems at TVA may be inhibiting the ability of workers to raise safety issues. Why would they want to do of course. A civil penalty of more than $600,000 is unusual, according to the uh, Edwin Lyman from the Union of Concerned Scientists. Considering the total amount of proposed civil penalties for all violations at NRC licensed facilities average just over 200000 a year for the last six years or so. The NRC is also prohibiting TVA's former vice president of regulatory affairs from any involvement in nuclear licensed activities for five years, arguing that the uh, gentleman in question and the former director of corporate nuclear licensing violated the NRC's employee protection rule. The commission also issued a notice of violation to the latter, didn't issue any penalty or sanction because the former director was not the decision maker. The NRC's Office of Investigation stated in its notice of violation After two former employees reported concerns, the director of the corporate nuclear licensing part of TVA created a chilled working environment. The director filed harassment complaints against each of the ex-employees initiating investigation. One was placed on administrative leave. The other was placed on administrative leave and later terminated for alleged insubordination. The NRC staff continues to review and inspect work environment issues and uh, TVA's corrective actions at, if any. NRC reported over 20 allegations had been filed in one of the plants and just under 20 at another, many of which pertain to a chilled work environment and or discrimination. That a substantial number of allegations continued to be submitted at TV plants, TVA plants suggested ongoing problems, said uh, representative of the Union of Concerned Scientists. The ability of nuclear facility workers to raise safety and security concerns without fear of retaliation is a critical aspect of nuclear plant operations, he concluded. Safety, shmafety, clean, cheap, to shmafed meter, our friend the atom. No direct connection, but let's get ourselves some apologies. We're so sorry. Responding to an outcry from medical experts, Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Stephen Hahn this week apologized for overstating the life-saving benefits of treating COVID-19 patients with convalescent, and I believe the president pronounces it, plasma. Plasma, dude. Scientists and medical, I'm sorry, Mr. Dude, do you? Scientists and medical experts have been pushing back against the claims about the treatment since President Trump's announcement last Sunday that the FDA had decided to issue emergency authorization for convalescent plasma taken from patients who've recovered from the coronavirus and rich in antibodies. 
Trump hailed the decision as an historic breakthrough, even though the treatment's value has not been established. The announcement on the eve of the convention raised suspicions that it was politically motivated. No. No. Khan had echoed Trump in saying that 35 more people out of 100 would survive the coronavirus if they were treated with a plasma. That claim vastly overstated preliminary findings, according to the Associated Press, of the observations done by the Mayo Clinic. Hans mea culpa comes at a critical moment for the FDA, which under intense pressure from the White House is responsible for deciding whether upcoming vaccines are safe and effective in preventing the COVID. 35% figure due condemnation from other scientists and some former FDA officials who called on Han to correct the record. Quote, I've been criticized for remarks I made about the benefits of convalescent plasma. The criticism is entirely justified. What I should have said better is that the data show a relative risk reduction, not an absolute risk reduction. There was no comparison with untreated patients. So not like a random randomized clinical trial or anything. Bellingham, Washington, Police Chief David Dole or Dahl, D-O-L-L, you tell me, apologized for a recently disclosed incident in which officers deceived a man with mental health issues and used him as a pawn to prank off-duty officers at a restaurant last year. First and foremost, I apologize again to each of you and our entire community for the misconduct of my personnel. He apologizes for that misconduct. Police chief does. Your collective reactions of outrage, disappointment, and just plain being sickened by what occurred was the same reaction I had. He said this incident has damaged our reputation. He said the uh, remorse over the incident and the collective 44 years of service by the uh, officers involved eased their punishment. It is simply not who we are, he said. Well, who is this that's doing all this if it's not the people who are doing it? The uh, officers said there was no legitimate law enforcement purpose for contact with the victim. In fact, he did not request contact with an officer. He'd called 911 looking for the number of a cab company. Instead, officers drove him across town to an all-night restaurant, gave him $5 before sending him inside as a prank on the off-duty officers. Employees had to ask the victim to leave after he came, became disruptive, which prompted an unrelated customer to leave. They're all leaving. Deadline Quincy Mass, the superintendent of Quincy, Pub- Quincy sorry, Public Schools, issued an apology this week after a parent focus group was Zoom-bombed with pornographic content. Here's that Zoom-pology. The inappropriate content was taken down immediately, according to the superintendent, but was still visible to participants of the focus group. Taken down immediately, but still visible. How does that happen? In addition, inappropriate sexual and racist commentary was also posted in the chat feature. And individuals were kicked out of the focus group meeting. The chat was disabled. The IT department is investigating and ways to prevent it from happening again. How about don't use Zoom? How about that? Investigate that. Dayline Washington, a Catholic publishing company, has apologized for the use of a Mormon angel on the cover of two Catholic publications and is determining how best to move forward. Use your own angels. Dear partners in ministry, we have heard your concerns. We admit our error, and we apologize for the cover art on the 2021 Respond and Acclaim and Music issue, said a statement from Oregon Catholic Press. Oregon Catholic Press said they were unaware of the association with the Mormon angel Moroni. We should have done more research. We apologize for this embarrassing mistake. They would never knowingly use an image that is not authentically Catholic on our publications. 
the image in question, which was published under the titles Angel 8 and Angel Moroni, was painted by an Argentinian artist, raised Catholic, but abandoned the faith after meeting Mormon missionaries. The image depicts the angel Moroni standing on a golden sphere, blowing a horn, and carrying golden tablets. The horn wasn't golden? What happened? Come on. Speaking of religious apologies, David Nasser, Liberty University's campus pastor, extended what he called a personal apology to the school student body this week for the sinful behavior of ousted former president Jerry Falwell, Jr. I am sorry, Nasser, a senior vice president who has led spiritual programs at the institution for the last six years, said, in my opinion, you as a Liberty student deserve better. And the embarrassment that's been brought upon you as a Liberty student, and more importantly, brought upon the name of Christ, ooh, is wrong. I know that many of you are hurting, and that breaks my heart, he said. Your concerns, if you're concerned, are valid. If you're not concerned, you you should be concerned. If you're not valid, you should be validated. No, he didn't say that. His comments, which came during the first campus-wide worship service of the academic year, I said worship service of the academic year, represents the first and only public rebuke of Falwell by a current Liberty official since the scandal-plagued evangelical leader submitted his resignation late Monday night. He stepped down after a former business partner alleged he had a years-long affair with Falwell Jr. and his wife, and that Falwell liked to watch. They've disputed that. He said he didn't like to watch it. It was just there. Dateline West Palm Beach, Florida. Palm Beach County Commissioner is calling for the resignation of a South Florida congressman after social media posts surfaced in which he joked about rape. Commissioner Melissa McKinley said on Twitter, U.S. Representative Brian Mast, Republican of Florida, should resign. According to a report in the South Florida Sun-Sentinel, Mast joked about rape and referenced sex with 15-year-old girls in an old Facebook comment to a friend, who's now his campaign manager. (laughs) Mast, who represents portions of northern Palm Beach County, has apologized for his remarks. A decade ago, when I was in the Army and following my injury, I made disgusting and inappropriate jokes that I'm embarrassed to have associated with my name today, he said. I'm sorry about that part of who I was, and I strive every day to be a better example for my kids. So at least it was who he was and not who he wasn't. He lost both of his legs and a finger to an IED while serving in Afghanistan in 2010. Now... Now make fun of him. Stephen Colbert, that's how he pronounces it, apologized this week for his virtual Milwaukee video that bashed the city and all it has to offer. He shared a video on social media called Virtual Milwaukee that appeared to be taking a dig at the city and its unconventional Democratic convention. After its release, many Milwaukeeans shared their disappointment with the video. Some news outlets, including... WTMJ-TV, even shared stories about the video and its negative connotations because they're affiliated with a network that doesn't carry Colbert. A week later, Colbert has taken notice of the negative response and has issued an apology. He acknowledged the massive loss Milwaukee has seen due to the lack of visitors and income from the convention. I feel bad. The city lost valuable revenue when the DNC canceled. They were expecting to bring all of that into Milwaukee, but they lost it through no fault of their own. 
I would like to address the city of Milwaukee in the official language of the Midwest. The polite apology. He then removed his glasses, looked dead into the camera, and said, Hey, Milwaukee, um, I am really sorry. And then he placed the blame for the original video on one of his writers, who happens to be from Wisconsin. Madison. Bette Midler is apologizing for mocking First Lady Melania Trump's accent. She first sparked backlash to Midler on Tuesday night as Melania closed out the second night of the convention with a speech from the Rose Garden. Oh, God, she still can't speak English, Midler tweeted. She doubled down on another tweet. Be best is back, a huge bore. She can speak several words in a few languages. Get that illegal alien off the stage, unquote. Midler's remarks were instantly slammed as xenophobic. Bet I love you, but that was quite offensive. Please retract it, tweeted one fan. While some social media users drew comparisons to President Donald Trump's rhetoric, others reaffirmed that wrong is wrong regardless of political affiliations. Midler hasn't deleted the controversial tweets. The actress walked back her comments on Wednesday and offered an apology to Trump and anyone she offended. I was wrong to make fun of her accent. America is made up of people who speak with all kinds of accents, and they are all welcomed always. It's not the first time a tweet about the First Lady was, has landed Midler in hot water. A couple of years ago, she caused waves when she shared a not-safe-for-work photo of Melania from a steamy shoot with British GQ 20 years ago. A Michigan University president apologized this week for playing cornhole with students. <laughs> As, I, there's a generation gap here, ladies and gentlemen, because to some people, that means something other than a game, much like horseshoes. Central Michigan University President Bob Davies issued the apologies. The school reported 54 new coronavirus cases as students returned to campus. Three pockets of cases at two Greek houses and another large house off campus are particularly concerning. Davies, president of the university, was seen on social media videos playing cornhole at parties. <laughs> He's apologized for playing cornhole. Two Buffalo Craft Breweries have dropped a beer they collaborated on after learning the name and label may be offensive to people of the Hindu faith. They're discontinuing the beer they called Aqua Shiva after a protest led by a Nevada-based Hindu activist. Shiva is one of the three major deities or gods in Hinduism. The uh, breweries had already presented products called Aqua Jesus and Aqua Buddha. So what's your problem? Working and learning remotely on Monday morning this week was made tougher for some because of an outage affecting Zoom services. We're currently investigating and we'll provide updates as we have them. We sincerely apologize for any inconvenience, said Zoom's verified Twitter account. Ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. A copyrighted feature this program.
Well, we've squeezed this grapefruit dry, ladies and gentlemen. The Le Show grapefruit. Pushing that metaphor to its extremes. We'll be back next week at the same time over these same stations. And on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. And it'd be just like everybody's stopping to watch the conventions all together. All together now. If you'd agree to join with me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this show, the music playlist heard here on your chance to get Cars I Talk t shirts, all at harryshear.com. And I'm on the Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of W and what facilities they are of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from deep inside your radio.